All right. If you don't get the 24-inch python joke, you need to repent and go figure that out. But, okay, so, all right. Moving on. Fourth commandment, uh, part two, a case for the Sabbath this week. Um, now, like I mentioned in the intro, it might be a respectable addiction to overwork, but there is certainly a negative impact to your health. Uh, the Global World Health Organization came up with five very negative risks to your health from overworking. One, stress and burnout. Uh, that's a terrible thing and can lead to a lot of bad things in your life, stress and burnout. Uh, secondly, disruption of body processes. That sounds terrible. Um, <laughs> which leads to, among other things, uh, your, your hormones don't metabolize well and um, various di diseases come from that and trigger. We won't go into all those things. You can look this up online. Uh, third, mental health issues. Uh, the World Health Organization estimates that 35% 35 35 of the cases of work-related stress result in mental health problems. Um, and then, uh, fourthly, shorter lifespan. That sounds awesome, doesn't it? Working hard leads to a shorter life. Uh, and then um, uh, life-threatening diseases is the last one. Um, again, awful, okay? So we're working ourselves to death in our country. Uh, these are five common things associated with our culture in particular. But far worse than killing you, overworking can cause you to forget who you are, to love bad mates, if you will, and to cause Christians to fall out of love and to leave the only truly worthy mate you will ever have, and that's Jesus. You lose yourself, you go running after other things and work. We're going to look at kind of the, the reasons why that might happen tonight. What is the draw to overworking? and how we kind of baptize that in the church. But we're going to read the, the scripture first and move into those points tonight, a brief discussion about this. So, a case for the Sabbath tonight, Deuteronomy 5, 12 through 15. There it is. There it is. All right, verse 12. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. As the Lord your God commanded you, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day is a Sabbath to your God, Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates, that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you, the boss. 15. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Amen. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall stand, stand forever. May he add his blessing to it tonight. All right, Matt and Catherine, come up here. Matt Teaslink, Catherine Stroh. Catherine's one of our interns along with Sam. Sam Brott married his sweetheart from college, Brittany. They're here right now. Wave your hands. All right. Matt and Catherine recently got engaged. Yeah. Show the ring. Uh, 
if you did not know that, that's big. That's a big deal. That's life shattering. That's crazy news right there. That is that's li- not life shattering. Life giving news. <laughs> Minds are blown here uh, with this news. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you know, wedding's like a death. You know, you die yourself. You're giving yourself to another person in a way. In a way. So, it's not a it's not a ball and chain. It's a glorious death. You know, you're you're, you're Christ loving his church. It's compared to that. So it's a good thing. So we are so proud of Matt and Catherine and their life together. That's beginning what day? June fourteenth. June fourteenth, two thousand fourteen. Yep, beautiful. And so. Uh, they're making a, arrangements for that. They're getting prepared for it. So I've got to ask you guys one question. How did you know that, that you were going to commit yourselves to one another and, and <laughs> enter into this together? That's a deep question, isn't it? Um, how did you know? <laughs> I, I think we learned as we went on dates. Yes, yes. Awesome. Okay, you can be seated, yes. As you went on dates, they got to know each other, and they're like, this particular person, I'm going to commit to love for the rest of my life. And there's much more to it than just going on dates, but on the dates, they learned about one another. Thank you, Catherine and Matt. Sorry for the embarrassment. Um, To know if you're going to commit your life to somebody, you've got to date them. Now, some of you are married in this room. Woo! Okay. Some of you are actually married. How do you remember that you love your spouse? You go on dates. You go on dates. You, go on dates. you have to date your spouse to remember, oh yeah, this is the person I promise to give my life to and love every day, love, cherish, hold, sickness and poor, death to his part. You've got to do the dating thing still. After you get married, you still got to date each other. Okay? So I'm going to apply that to this text tonight. And I'm going to say, if you're new to this, this Christianity, or if you grew up, grew up in the church, you and I all need the exact same thing when it comes to either getting to know God or remembering that God is in love with us or that we love God. We need dates. Do y'all know who Metallica is? Switching gears. Yeah, okay. Does anyone not know who that is? Metallica. They once labeled themselves as the loudest band in the world. They held a tour in 1997 called the Million Decibel March. Yeah. Um, A friend of a friend uh, used to go to college with this guy. And this is a great story. Um, he thought he had perfect hearing until he went to the doctor. And, and then the doctor started pulling, like he was checking his ears. He's like, there's something in there. And so he starts pulling cotton out of, the, out of the kid's ears, college kid. Like six months before, that guy had went to a Metallica concert and had stuck cotton in his ear so he could survive the concert because he didn't have earplugs. And he didn't realize didn't realize that he hadn't gotten all the cotton ball out of his ears. And so for the next few days, all he did was smile because the simplest sounds and the simplest noises, he'd forgotten that they even existed. And, and I want to I say that's, that's a really good story, first of all. But that's exactly why we need this. It says to remember 
observe the Sabbath to remember. In verse 15, it gives us a reason why we do the Sabbath, why we work six days and rest one, to remember what, in verse 15, that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and your Lord God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Is that a ringtone? Okay, awesome. <laughs> Live performance outside. God gave you a Sabbath day so you could remember His love for you. That's why. The things you forgot, the things you can't hear, dates allow you to hear the truth again. Do you love that, that particular person? All those sort of things. A date clears out our ears like the guy who had cotton jammed in his ears. We become aware of the noises we used to hear, the sounds we used to hear in our hearts about that person. So verse 12 through 14, the fourth commandment repeated to the second generation of the Israelites. It was, it was commanded, commanded originally in Exodus 20, and we looked at that last week, the first giving of the Ten Commandments. This is the second generation, and so God brings it up again. The second generation, this is the children of the liberated slaves. We're all sort of children of liberated slaves. Uh, we're, we're, none of us are first generation to the church. The church has been existing for hundreds and thousands of years. But we all need to hear this message. We need to remember it. And the way God gives us to do that is the Sabbath. I don't know if you ever like hear about Christian growth through the Sabbath these days, but that's the plan. There was no plan for quiet times, personal devotional time daily in the Ten Commandments. It's Sabbath. It's shocking. I know. But what, what I want you to, to think of this as, which I think is the, both the easiest command and the hardest command. Easiest because it says do nothing, kind of rest. But it's also the hardest command because we have trouble resting from our work. It tells you this. I want you to remember this, that God schedules a date with you once a week. So it's, the command essentially is don't stand him up. Go on a date with God. Don't stand him up. Go on a date with God. A date. You may have heard, now I think it's highly appropriate to say it this way because you might have heard the phrase, Christianity is not a religion but a relationship. Yes, we hear that. Well, so therefore then it is getting to know God. It's sharing your life with him. Christianity could rightly be called fellowship. Now, when we think of fellowship, we think of church casseroles and uh, potluck dinners, right? If you're from the church. But, or, you know, where you get together and watch football um, or hang out at the coffee shop. Fellowship, though, is much more than that. You see, it's, it's deep connections with the people. It's deeply knitting your soul to people uh, and, and becoming true friends. Uh, and so I'm going to say that, we're not just, that fellowship is not just about relating to people, other human beings, but with God. And so we're created to deeply relate to him, okay? Relating to God in a deep way of longing for him, of knowing how he longs for you. Uh, a guy named Pascal, you don't know who that is? Pascal once wrote, what a vast distance there is between knowing God and loving him. Many people know God. Uh, demons know God in the Gospels. Jesus says, uh, James says, and they shudder. Demons know God and they shudder. There's a difference between knowing God and not shuddering. There's a difference between knowing God and loving him. It takes work to know him. It takes resting from our work, that is, 
to know him. So some of us are religious, and a deeper religion with God maybe frightens you. You're not, you're not really excited about getting deeper with God. And I've been there. Uh, we, we, I relate to this uh, and I, because I, I sort of in my mind, in my heart, sort of believe that, that I relate to God in terms of my activities. I put in work into my religious life, and I consider God to be happy with me or unhappy with me based on how well I'm performing. Okay, so that could be reading the Bible, memorizing Scripture, praying, attending Christian events, church events, RUF, or directly involving yourself in ministries uh, or evangelism, giving money to these efforts, or contributing to things that are religious in their orientation. And we know we don't do enough of that, and so therefore God sort of is a terrifying person. Like, like maybe you've had a few drinks, you're driving, and you see blue lights, kind of terrifying. You might go, to, I mean, like, like God's going to pull you over and take you to jail. He's out to get you. Someone says you need to get closer to God, and you're like, no thanks, I want to keep the relationship professional. I don't want him to probe deeper into my life. He kind of scares me, so I'm not really interested in getting to know him better. I know that you've thought that. I've thought that. The idea of maybe praying to him, other than when you need a favor, um, seems to be crazy. Spending a day of worship resting from your stuff you like to do and are addicted to seems to be crazy because being with him seems to feel like work. And after all, you've been trained to feel bad for not working and enjoying the things that you love all the time, and you're kind of trained to, to sort of feel guilty for not giving enough time to God. But like we saw last week, if you were here last week, you can download it if you weren't. But God says, go and be absolutely free. Rest. Enjoy pursuing your creativity for six days, and then come back and spend a day with me. You've got so much freedom in Christianity, it's ridiculous. Six days to do Whatever you want to do with your gifts, it's incredible. He did give us 10 principles to live by for flourishing, but you've got all this freedom. Living with God is to live in freedom and not slavery. And so you can leave your work behind and go on a date with him because you're free. And you can remember how he loves you. Okay, so one, uh, point one on our outline, your failed religious model. You sell yourself to God. You could call this point why I hate your personal quiet time. Why I hate your personal quiet time. Okay, that's a more provocative point title, right? Um, a personal quiet time is like a relationship based on hookups and text messages. It's selfish. It's a relationship with God on your terms. You set the rules. You say, I'm going to meet with you 15 minutes today, God. I'm going to meet with you 30 minutes today, God. It's, it's I'm going to set the rules and only give you so much. I'm going to compartmentalize my life this much and give it to you. Moral, it's, it's moralism. I do the quiet time and I earn favor. I don't do it and I lose favor. That's the way we feel when we miss it. How many times have you started to read the Bible and try to read through it in a year and failed and you're like, I'm a screw up again. You know, it's like we start out with, 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 with great expectations and we fail. And we feel bad about that. And so what we'll do is we'll sort of minimize it down to something we can accomplish if we're smart. 
Okay, uh, and so um, you, 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 might, um, you might have heard of this, the one-minute Bible. It's like people realize that doing quiet times is hard, like getting alone and spending time with God is hard, so they broke it down to one minute a day. And so there's actually a clip on YouTube of the one-minute Bible. It's sold by a pastor, and, and there's, a, there's a teenager on there that says, uh, you know, I found out that I can read the Bible in one minute a day, and it's okay. Because when I miss a day, Jesus is not mad at me. I can just read two minutes the next day. That's a great way of looking at it, isn't it? Um, You see what's implied in that statement? The logic is the standard to please God is I've got to read my Bible every day. So second principle is I fail at doing that, so Jesus is mad at me. I'm not a good Christian. But wait, let's redefine A. The standard was read my Bible every day, so my small group leader told me that I can read the Bible in just one minute a day. Oh, I can do that. So B changes. Therefore, God loves me and I'm a good Christian because I give that time to God. No. No, the problem is that giving more and more more of your time to God could never earn you favor with God. That's strictly a workspace religion. That's moralism. That's not the gospel or the good news of Jesus. The verse tells us what that is. One, you were a slave set free by God's mighty hand. He rescues you and wants you to live with him in freedom, not bondage to some code. He gives you the rules because he loves you. He wants you to flourish. And the rule is rest. God's plan, secondly, is a, is a Sabbath. God taking you on a date. And what are you going to do on that date? First, you're going to stop thinking about yourself. You're going to get to know God better. And then two, you're going to rest from self-deception. He's going to help you better know yourself. A Sabbath day is better than the quiet time model. If you think about it, the Sabbath is a wonderful thing. If you practice it, you're actually going to get more bang for your buck than doing the, I'm going to spend just a little bit of my time every day with God, and then do your homework on Sunday. Quiet time, like think about it. Maybe at best you're going to do 15 minutes a day with God. So if you multiply that times six, if you're really disciplined, six days out of the week, that's an hour and a half of sort of personal worship time with God. And maybe if you go to worship and Sunday school, that's maybe three hours of church stuff on Sunday. Four if you go to a really charismatic church that lasts longer maybe. So you can maybe do seven hours a week. That's not a lot of time compared to this deal. It's supposed to be 24 hours, right? God wants more. God wants to ask you on a date. He sets up a date with you. Now, what is a date? Leslie knows what a date is. We all know what a date is. We know a date is com- it commonly involves three things. Ceasing, resting from whatever you're doing to go out and hang, with, hang out with somebody else. Uh, feasting. Eating is involved on dates. I don't know why. Like, eating, eating is what we do. We like to eat, so we go on dates and we eat together. And we talk. And there's usually dancing or something. There's some enjoyment. You see that dance move? And you're like, no, no, stop it. Enjoyment. Um, and, and so God has a plan to spend more time with you, to get to know him. There might be dancing. There might be feasting. There might be ceasing. Okay? Getting to know him. That's right. The God of the universe thinks you're so valuable that he wants to schedule out one day a week to rest, embrace, cease, and feast with him. We, why do we go on dates? We go on dates, one, because we want to get to know somebody and love them, 
or two, because we love them. And so church on Sunday is our date time with God. It's all his. We can rejoice in the things he has done together. And we can join up in real conversations with Christians. It's called a Sabbath. And so you don't need to feel guilty doing your job six days a week. Work hard at it. Love this. I know y'all are stressed. I know you've got a lot on your plates. You've got six or seven syllabuses that you're like, a, you're a slave to. You have to do the work or you're going to fail. And it, is, and it kills you, but you've got six days to accomplish that. And then take one day to spend it with God and his people. Rather than one minute a day, seven hours a week, five hours a week, God says 24 hours plus any time you want to give to God throughout the week. Like coming to this. Spending a time, just taking an hour, and being, with, being with, with people who are looking for Christ here at RUF, thinking about him, reading the Bible, a date with God. Would you like a relationship where someone never wanted to spend time with you? Who actually, when you didn't go spend time, you know, they were on their smartphone the whole time um, and totally ignoring you? Absolutely not. A day where you could spend time with God and get to know him is what he calls you to so there's a benefit of this, um, several benefits. Um, we'll close with this. Uh, the, the Christians who keep the Sabbath day, you're going to say this, well, if they're going to keep a whole day, they're going to have worse grades than those who work seven days a week. That's kind of the, the, like the, the scary thing about this, if you're going to give a whole day to God. You say, well, I might fall behind if I, didn't, if I did no studying, if I went to church or did a group activity with Christians or read a book or just simply rested. Um, I'm going to say it's going to make you better. Because you've got to prepare. You've got to get, get your stuff together if you're going to go on a date. Just like when you go on a date, you have to clean yourself up to get ready to get all your junk done so you can do these things. When you go on a date, you prepare. You get it together. And I think if you were to try to do the Sabbath, you would actually see your grades increase. Now, I know some of you that's impossible because you're already making four points and whatnot. But you might even make an easier four point. You know, so... Um, don't work on Sundays. Your job's being a student. Uh, so that means don't be a student on Sunday. Um, which activities are good? I'd be happy to talk about that with you um, afterwards, but I wanted to make the case Sabbaths are necessary. Everybody has to rest or we're going to kill each other or kill ourselves. The Sabbath actually, beyond just helping us live, helping us be better students, it actually is going to help you to believe the gospel. Each time you stop to reflect on, on God, you're going to have to wrestle with the gospel. And the gospel tells you this. It tells you, you were a slave and you needed to be set free. And God, by his mighty hand, set you free. Jesus set you free. Jesus says, stop, believe in me, and I will carry you to God. He says, rest in me. He says, all, he gives you 10,000 reasons. But you've got to go on a date to hear those reasons. And so why do we work? We work because we want to be accepted. But Jesus says, your acceptance is through my death. And it's found in me alone. It's an acceptance that will never fail. The things you work so hard for will slowly be taken away from you if you love work to the point that you work yourself to death. This is eternal life that you know Jesus. And so if you're a Christian here tonight... I want you to walk away with the truth that the gospel gives you freedom to say no. The gospel gives you freedom to stop, to unplug your ears, and to enjoy God. How the gospel tells you that you're free. Your worth is not based 
upon your work performance or how many people like you or all the things you could place your hope in that you work for all your life. Your worth's not, not based on accomplishing more than somebody else. It, it's, if that was all that we got every Sunday, we would be better. It's not the one who works, but the one who trusts, the one who rests, who is blessed. Okay, so if I'll close with this, Hebrews 4, 8 through 9 says, For if Joshua had given them rest, who's going to take these people who we just read about and bring them into the promised land, if he had given them rest this Sabbath, God would not have spoken of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. The people were free to rest from their slavery. You're free to rest from your work, but there remains a Sabbath rest for you and for me and for all of us who have died in Christ, who have trusted Him. There's a day in which all the work will become glorious. Nevermore will it become a toil, and we will be with God, and it will be awesome. And I think that's something we've got to ask the question of, would that be awesome? Would it be awesome to spend every waking moment in the presence of God? Well, no, not if you don't know him, uh, not if you're afraid of him. The way you get to know him is by spending a date with him every Sunday. Every Sunday is preparation for heaven. It's where God lowers down, like he helicopters in on Sunday, uh, like, a, like a rich you know, date would do, right? And he lowers a rope down, like a, like a rope ladder, and you climb up in the helicopter, and you go and spend the day with him, and you leave all your books behind. You leave your laptop behind, and you go on a date flying in the helicopter with the Lord Jesus. <laughs> That's what a Sabbath is, and it's beautiful. And, it, and it's never that glamorous, like in the movies. But it's wonderful. It's where you hear that God set you free. That's a Sabbath. So let's pray, and we'll end it there. Father in heaven, help us to believe it, to trust it, to really honor this day, to work out the applications in our lives and to, to ask questions and start to minister to each other and, and through each other and for each other as we build a ministry on this campus to teach faith, to teach resting in Christ and not working ourselves to death. Lord, would we be a group that embodies the principles of working six days, but resting in you and, and, and not standing you up, but meeting you where you promised to meet us. And may the grace that you pour upon us every week, every week here at RUF and in the church, would that, would that give us life and create in us uh, what we were made to be, uh, the bride of Christ. Lord, we pray in Christ's name for his glory. Amen.